Alex Sparrow quite literally wrote the book on hemp lime construction. Back in 2014, Alex, along with William Stanwix, published The Hempcrete Book, Designing and Building with Hemp Lime. Alex is widely regarded as the go-to advisor for all things hemp lime in the UK, and we were fortunate enough to be able to pick his brain. His wealth of experience across the pond helps us understand what might be possible here in the US. This is Trace Material. Alex, we're so glad that you can join us today from Derbyshire, England. Amazing what these pandemic times allow us. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, we're we're thrilled to have you, and um, your expertise is you know something that so many people follow, and we all have your book and um, have been digging through the pages for years, and uh, it's just really great to be able to talk to you to face to face today. Um, you know, I, I guess we met each other almost a year ago. Was it that at the... Um, yeah, kind of October, wasn't it, in Idaho? That's right. In Idaho at the um, the first U.S. Hemp Building Association Summit. It's been really uh, nice to see the, the progress that the USHBA has been making over the last uh, nine months, I guess. Um, yeah, nine, nine, ten months. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, there's so much enthusiasm and optimism about this industry really picking up speed in, in the United States. And, you know, obviously... We're lagging behind all of you guys in uh, in England and, and all over Europe, but um, but we're we're hoping to learn as much as we can and really make it a viable industry, building industry in this country. So yeah, yeah, it's, and it's nice to see um, you know some some hemp growing and processing because you guys have been ahead in terms of uh, well, various states have been in, ahead in terms of um, recreational and medicinal cannabis, uh, which is something that we don't have here in the UK, but I think. It's taken a little while for for industrial hemp to to catch up, if you like. Uh, but it's nice to see that happening finally after the farm bill. I think. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we've sped up since the the twenty eighteen farm bill. You know, things are really taking hold. It you know it'll be great to see that processing following the the farming um, develop here. So. Um, yeah, so you know, I think we uh, we would like to just get started by hearing the beginning of your beginnings, really. Like, if you could, might just remember or kind of recount um, the first time that you worked with hemp and lime, and what was that experience was like, and maybe um, how that differed from building in the before that. Yeah, sure. So uh, we're going back uh, about ten years, a um, little over ten years. Um, my um, a uh, colleague, Will Stanix, who I used to have a company with, uh, Hemp Lime Construct, um, had uh, I'd given him a hand building a, a straw bale building. And uh, a friend of ours in um, in Sheffield in England wanted a small extension building on, um, uh, on a, a, a Victorian terraced house. And uh, so he'd... Uh, the ground was an old riverbed, and he was looking for a low density material to um, uh, to build with. That so, because he'd been told he'd ha- got to have a huge um, uh, concrete foundation, which was going to cost more than the extension. So uh, Will was looking for something that was um, uh, environmentally friendly, but um, 
not as wide as straw bale because the the size of the extension was so small that if you were to do it from straw bale that there wouldn't be much uh, space inside the building and um, there was a company at the time called Lime Technology who was supplying hempcrete as a material uh, in the UK and um, that was the uh, the company that supplied the, the materials for that job uh, and then from there just went on and, and started building bigger and bigger um, buildings. Uh, the first, um, I guess the first big job we did was um, a kind of retrofit um, project to a, a listed timber frame building, an old um, tithe barn, um, 16th century, so kind of 1570s. Uh, and um, it was a, a infill job for um, where the the historic uh, building fabric was. Um, it's actually an elm frame with um, wattle and daub, which is a kind of mixture of earth and straw and a um, bit of animal dung and a little bit of lime, maybe uh, as a kind of uh, daubed material over a hazel uh, lattice structure within the frame. And that original material um, had lasted for you know, a few hundred years until it was rendered with cement, and then that degraded and disappeared. Um, so the uh, job was to to re replace that walling material with hempcrete, uh, and that's actually what hempcrete was um, developed for in the first place in France. Uh, was for adding, for repairing um, historic buildings with a material that would um, sort of be a loose fill material that would set and hold its shape and add a bit of insulation to the building whilst also allowing moisture to pass through the fabric. So it wasn't originally a, a material to build with, but instead a repair material? Yeah, so it's the, exactly the same type of building in France, so historic timber frame buildings where the original fabric had degraded beyond repair. Um, so they were looking for, for something that you could use to infill the timber frame. Uh, and then almost as soon as, as it was used for that, people started saying, oh, hey, we could, we could use this as a, for new build eco uh, homes. But yeah, the, I think the first, um, my first experience of the, the material was really, um, just and I think everybody feels this when they first start using it is how simple it is and how low tech. So it's really this kind of mixing together of the hemp stalk with a with a lime binder and water, and then pouring is not really the right word, but tipping it into the formwork because it isn't a as you can um, you know it isn't a, um, a liquid material. It's like a damp solid. And so you tip it into whatever formwork you've constructed and then spread it around in a, a gentle pat down. And then once, when you take the formwork away, after, depending on the binder that you're using, after an hour or maybe overnight, 24 hours, you take that formwork away and the material's set and it holds its own shape and uh, binds very closely to the, the frame that you're casting it around. Um, and that's it. 
And so had you been building in other ways before hemp and lime? Like you mentioned straw, but were you were you interested in other natural building materials or were you building in conventional yeah, ways? So, yeah, so I wasn't a builder by training, but I got into working, um, building, repairing old buildings, actually, through um, living in old houses and finding the finding out about the the best way to repair them so using lime uh, and stone and and sort of learning about traditional construction methods um which is which are really when you're repairing an old building it's all about um maintaining the vapor permeability of the of the structure of the building so that you um by allowing the building to to breathe to to let moisture vapor out um, then you maintain that building fabric in a, you know, as a healthy um, structure because moisture isn't being retained inside the inside the building where it can cause damage. So it, from that, um, uh, just it's a small step really into into hempcrete because all of those themes run through hempcrete construction, typically in. In a domestic context, the, the frame, the structural frame in a hempcrete building will be timber, uh, either a traditional timber frame or a stud frame. And so one of the things that you, you want to do is maintain, um, a vapor open, uh, wall assembly because not only to keep the, the timber frame itself healthy because you're not trapping moisture in the, in the wall that could lead the frame to rot, but also the the wall itself is made from um, thousands of tiny pieces of plant aggregate, the hemp. So it, although the lime in the mix is a powerful antifungal, so it will inhibit um, rotting of the of the hemp or the timber frame. Uh, if you if you maintain that fully vapor open wall, then there's there's just never any chance of moisture getting trapped within it. It's kind of, I mean, it always sounds like such a superstar material when you talk about it, you know, in all of its properties, but tying it back to traditional building methods is really interesting. Um, just in thinking about like how, how much you've learned really from repairing traditional material, traditional buildings and, um, and historic buildings that might have informed how you might, how you build with hemp lime for new buildings. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I think uh, old buildings, traditional architecture, um, or even really traditional vernacular buildings. So those buildings that were built by the communities that lived in them, um, without the without the assistance of architects, you know, um, th those buildings have the most to teach us about sustainable construction. Um, because wherever, whatever type of building you're talking about, wherever you are in the world, um, those kind of, um, that traditional construction had evolved over centuries within that landscape with knowledge that was passed down through the generations. Um, and, and all of those, wherever you are in the world and whatever kind of structure we're talking about, all of those were built with, natural materials because that's all they had local materials because they weren't didn't have the sort of infrastructure to transport construction materials over long distances 
So, um, and, and they were built with thousands of years of knowledge in a community about how best to provide shelter using in that local climate, using those local materials. So I think we've got to, you know, there's a lot we can learn from traditional construction in terms of sustainable construction for the future, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's so inspiring is, is that exactly. And that you, 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 just as you stated that there's, you know, centuries and centuries of development of these natural building methods that developed and got better over time. Mm. It's like the, the work that you guys did or, or saw in, um, in India, you know, the, the natural paints and uh, finishes out there. Right. And then it's extraordinary that it lasts, you know, hundreds and hundreds, eight, up to 800 or even a thousand years. You know, the lime just lasts and lasts and lasts. So yeah. were, was there evidence of hemp in buildings, um, hemp and lime? I know lime was, was in England for a very long time. And was, was there evidence of hemp lime in Sheffield when you started that project? No, uh, I mean, it, so this is an interesting one because I was reading something else on the internet the other day that was referencing um, hemp that's that's been discovered within uh, Roman mortars, um, which is kind of um, uh, it's a, an off, oft repeated uh, fact on the internet, but I I still have yet. I don't know if you've ever seen any any kind of reference for that. Um, no, uh, I, yes, yeah. actually, I, I have. You know, the, I mean, they talk. Of, what I read was about that it was about cellulose and not specifically okay. about yeah. hemp cellulose. So it could have been wood or, or you know, another kind of plant material. But, yeah. but that's very exciting. So, uh, was there is there a hint that in your local area that hemp was once grown or or not so much? Oh, everywhere in the UK, yeah. So um, there's there's lots of. Um, uh, well, there's lots of uh, place names, road names. Um, so you, you quite often have Hemp Lane. Uh, you have um, various various towns with hemp in the t- in the title. Um, there, but more than that, in um, in the more recent sort of architecture, kind of going back to the 1900s and 1800s, <clears throat> you, there's still quite a bit of in existing industrial um architecture in certain regions so rope walks where where they they stretched out the fibers to make rope and so there's there's kind of evidence of it everywhere uh it was such an important crop in the uk going back hundreds and hundreds of years but uh um, there's particular areas so the south coast going into the southwest um in dorset was a huge hemp growing area um and they have you know there's records of king john in you know 1215 putting in a huge order for hemp for the navy and and even into you know it was it was such a big um part of the the economy there that even when it was um starting to hemp production was start, hemp was starting to be imported from other areas of the world which you know towards the end of the 19th century um, you know, they, there was still hemp production there. And uh, in fact, I think the Navy, um, bought out the, the last hemp, uh, processing plants and had their own rope making. So you're in a large, in large part reviving this historical material for your area because it yeah. still is a local material. 
Yeah, all over the UK, it was it was so important because we're a small island and we're a seafaring nation. So so just for the rope and also for the the sailcloth, you know. So the word canvas comes from the word cannabis. Um, it's uh, and it you know it's it was strategically so important to to the UK in terms of um, you know our navy um, and our sort of um, I guess uh, you know exploring the world. Right. That's that's amazing, and then you know, obviously, the UK became a great leader in the world, maybe because of hemp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? of course. Mm. That's amazing. That's amazing to tie those things together. That the ships could sail to other parts of the world because of this plant. You know, because mm. of yeah, because of hemp, and and that you know we could have breathable buildings because of hemp and lime. Also, yeah, and ju- and just going back to what you were saying before, I don't think I don't know of any. Um, uh, evidence of hemp being used in building um, in the UK um, or, 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 or anywhere really, um, but I, I would be amazed if it hadn't been. Um, it's just that with so many natural materials, um, you know, they are low impact materials. That's the whole point. So they, they, I'm sure hemp will have been used in the same way that straw and um, other cellulose fibers have been used. Um, but if it if you're not specifically analysing old uh, wall samples, mortar samples, um, you know, to find to find hemp, then it, it it will just eventually go back to the earth. Yeah, right. Exactly. So there's evidence of lime, of course, because it's the the final layer, and it's the plaster, it's the mortar, it's the the stucco, it's everything. But the hemp itself is is less obvious, maybe. Yeah, and it may be that that hemp was used less than straw because it was more valued for other purposes. So I'm not sure what the um, I'm not sure what the stalk the stalk was until or, or the core the woody core of the stalk um, the herd, if you like, uh, that was originally um, a waste from the fiber crop. So I'm not sure. Uh, in you know going back 800 years in the UK, um, it's quite a, to to process that material into the form that we need it for for construction um, was quite uh, is quite a uh, it's either a high tech process or it's a, a very labour intensive process. So it, I'm not sure how communities would have dealt with the stalk at the time. Um, if they were if they were growing a long variety, maybe it would have been used in thatch. You know, you know, using it as a long stem instead of uh, breaking it up. But uh, yeah, that's great. So, so we've just thought deeply about the the past, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours about the past. It's so interesting how much the past can inform the future. And how much we've lost, really. Like when you say high tech, you know, we somehow in the building industry took this leap in the like 1950s around the 1950s industrial revolution where synthetic materials became, you know, kind of invented and then replaced all these natural building materials. And now you're reviving this process through the restoration of historic homes. So your, your path is super interesting. You know, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your work today with hemp and lime and what you do with it. Yeah, so um, we uh, use the material as um, 
uh, as a walling and insulation material. So we, um, my company specializes in constructing the, th- the, the structural and thermal envelope of buildings from bio-based, renewable, carbon sequestering, and often recycled materials. So um, of those materials, hempcrete is one, or hemp line, uh, as it's also known. And um, but we use uh, other bio-based construction materials as well as alongside hempcrete. Um, but in in a new build context, um, as I said earlier, it's not a load-bearing material. So there's always uh, a, a frame, which is typically a, just a stud uh, frame. And then hempcrete can be, it's most commonly used for the walls of the building, but it's possible also to use it as part of an insulated uh, floor buildup and also as part of um, a, a vapor permeable roof uh, insulation. So one of the uh, things about the use of hempcrete in new build is you can construct the whole thermal envelope of the building from this one material. And in fact, when you're um, wet mixing and casting the hempcrete on site, um, you're essentially casting the whole building or the whole thermal envelope in one piece of material, um, which gives all sorts of um, sort of extraordinary advantages in terms of um, not only the thermal performance of the building, because it's very easy to design out any thermal bridging through the envelope, but also in uh, the ease with which you can make the building airtight because you've got a single piece of material. And so the only um, the only openings or the only breaches in that one piece of material are the openings in the building. Um, obviously, there are, there are other materials applied to it, but in typically... Um, we you can use different finishes with hempcrete, but the typical finish in the UK is with a lime plaster on the outside of the building. So once you apply that lime plaster to the surface of the hempcrete, then the whole hempcrete wall becomes airtight because it closes up the surface. You you need to apply that um, plaster or render, as we call it, to the outside of the building before um, before the wall becomes airtight. Because within the hempcrete wall, there are lots of pockets and channels of air, you hope, <laughs> because that's what's trapping air inside the wall t- to to give you your insulation. But apart from the, the stud frame, the timber frame, you've got a solid uh, monolithic hempcrete wall, um, and that that wall is providing your insulation, your walling material, your thermal mass, um, heat storage, all in one material. And then once you close up the surfaces with a lime plaster, um, then that's a really airtight, uh, efficient building. So the plaster render is on the outside, and is it also on the inside? Yeah, so in the UK, we, we, we have two words for it. I think we're about the only country that has two different words. So for us, plaster is uh, the internal surface, and render is the the external, but it's essentially the same thing. So it's a, a, a coating that's made from sand and lime. Um, and it's important to use lime because that gives you a much more vapor open um, finish. 
Um, and because the, as we said earlier, because the wall's made from a plant uh, material, we need to keep that vapor open um, uh, performance right through the assembly. So, but lime, lime plaster, especially as applied to the outside of the building, is actually very similar to uh, cement stucco. Um, and it's, it's probably more similar, um, the application of it is more similar to stucco than it would be to a gypsum plaster. Uh, it's just that with the lime instead of the cement, um, it, you know, it will take a little bit longer to set and it needs some, some kind of specialist knowledge really about how, how the lime, um, works and, you know, how you apply consecutive coats and the timings and, so great. And so, you know, you have a team of people who are working on these projects daily. Sure. Yeah. So we have few, we have a couple of, well, a few teams. <laughs> so we, we, as a company, we can, um, we're kind of like a specialist subcontractor. So we work all over the UK. Um, if you're close enough to where we're based, which is in the middle of uh, England, we can do the whole job really from the groundworks up. Um, but more commonly, we'll, we'll travel to different parts of the UK to do the timber framing, the hempcrete installation, the uh, lime finishes. Um, so you do the whole uh, gamut. Yeah, sure. So, and sometimes we work quite closely with um, other firms, uh, you know, around the country. And more and more, we're um, getting approached by other building firms around the UK who are who are coming to us asking to be trained up so they can do hempcrete. Um, and over the last few years, we've started um, supplying the materials to, to other builders. Um, and we do a lot of consultancy and design work. Um, so, we, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, as we were saying earlier, I don't get my hands dirty very much anymore. But uh, it's, it's you're managing these teams who are building, you're training other yeah. people to build, you're writing and talking and training yeah. people to how to adopt hempcrete. You're really yeah. pushing this industry forward from all different directions. You yeah, must think about it all the time. Yeah, I know I do. <laughs> I had a um there was an event this weekend that I've been I've been doing a lot of thinking about hempcrete this week with one thing and another. And I had an event at the weekend that someone said, Oh, yeah, there's no tickets left, but why don't you arrange, you know, like a small speaking event? I was like, Oh no, I just I've had enough of talking about hempcrete this week. <laughs> I think I'll give it a miss. But no, it's great. It's I, I think it's really exciting. It's an exciting time at the moment, I think, especially um doing a lot of work with um, people on your side of the pond because as we were saying earlier it's really taking off uh, at the moment and and there's this real buzz about hemp the possibilities so you know in all of this work that you're doing is there anything that keeps you up at night anything that keeps you spinning or that you worry about in, in this industry or about mm. this kind of construction uh, not about the construction I mean I, I think hemp lime hempcrete is it's hard not to sound like a complete crazy evangelist for it because there are so many, I mean, we have hardly touched on the benefits of the material. You know, the, it's, it's the thermal performance is fantastic. It's a carbon sequest sequestering material that is actually, uh, essentially a net, uh, negative, um, carbon emissions material. You know, as the material, it sequesters more carbon than is used to produce it. Um, and it creates huge, um, healthy buildings, 
there are no sort of added chemical treatments to stop the hempcrete from burning or rotting or being resistant to animals so it's completely non-toxic because of the vapor permeability it kind of regulates moisture within the building so it prevents um damp and mold growing in inside homes so it's you know i think it, it's a hugely exciting time in terms of the take-up hempcrete has always been a material that has crossed over quite well into the kind of mainstream construction industry because it's recognizable. It's something that you mix and you build formwork and you apply it. Um, so they can kind of see, all right, the hemp's different, but they kind of understand the process. Um, and that's been shown in the amount of, of sort of, um, kind of commercial builds that have been done with it in the UK. And, and there are lots of firms that have used it when it's required. Um, I think the scale up is is needs to be rapid from this point on because the construction industry is responsible for such a huge proportion of our carbon emissions. That's um, what that brings me to the next question, which is like if we were to shoot forward ten years, twenty thirty, yeah. what is in the ideal world? What is what is your vision of ten years from now in this industry? Well, I think uh, I think hempcrete is one of the tools that we have. Um, for changing, for bringing about that systemic change in the construction industry, uh, which has to happen. You know, I think uh, globally the construction industry is is sort of probably responsible for around fifty percent of our carbon emissions, and you know we we need to build another. Uh, it's like another two hundred million ho- uh, homes between now in the next eighty years between now and. Uh, you know, 2,100. Uh, so there's a huge amount of inf- uh, built environment that's going to be built this century. Uh, and I've, I don't think hempcrete's the only answer, but I think we have to build that in a way that is carbon sequestering rather than carbon emitting. And hempcrete has a huge role to play in that. Um, and it's an existing technology that's proven. It's quite easy for mainstream industry to, to adopt it. Uh, and I think we just need to push forward with it. And I think, you know, recent events, um, like, you know, maybe a one positive thing from the pandemic that we've all been um, dealing with over the last few months is um, I think that argument of, oh, it's too difficult to affect, you know, a big change and for everyone to change their behavior all at the same time. I think that argument doesn't hold water anymore, you know, because we've just seen how everybody can change their behavior when they have to. So uh, maybe that gives me a little bit of hope for what we've got to do. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. If we, um, yeah, I think I think we're coming to the end here. But you know, I think just uh, if we think about, you know, you make this great point that we can reverse or not reverse, but we can really um, help the help to to challenge this the um, increase in climate change. Um, by building differently, and and this is a great roadmap. Do you have any like last comments about how we might get there? I, you're doing so much already, but uh, you know you must have visions of how we get there more quickly. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think one thing is to be um, to be confident in what we do. So we are all of us who work with bio based uh, construction materials. We are a challenger 
technology to the existing, um, you know, the status quo, but the status quo can't continue. Like we've already uh, said that we, it just, we can't go on with business as usual. Um, I was uh, involved in a presentation earlier today where we were looking at, um, some slides, uh, you know, showing rough cost in the U S at the moment for hempcrete building versus, uh, cellulose wall buildup or, um, you know, a glass fiber wall buildup. And, um, the, the comment was, you know, how do we close that gap? Because hempcrete is more expensive at the moment. And, and I was saying, yeah, you know, we can always, you know, we should be trying to make it as cost effective as possible. But when you look at, I, I would throw it back to them and say that they need to close the gap on performance uh, and they need to close the gap on carbon emissions. Yeah. Uh, conventional construction, you know, the way that we've been doing it for so long is, is highly, um, uh, is contributing in a, in a really big way to, to climate change, to carbon emissions. And, there's such a huge performance gap in how existing construction methodologies are supposed to perform and how they actually perform in, in situ. And it, with hempcrete, you know, with, it's, um, it, there's a performance gap in the other direction. So when you look at the R value of a hempcrete wall, um, you can, you can say, okay, a hempcrete wall, uh, a foot thick will, will get you R24. When you actually apply that on site, it performs like an R35 wall because the thermal mass in the wall as well gives you an extra performance of heat storage and, and kind of buffering out temperature changes inside the, inside the building. So you get this steady internal temperature, which is not to do with the insulation. It's to do with the mass that's in the wall as well. So, you know, it's about, um, getting uh, industry to change what they're doing and being confident that they need to change to join us, not the other way around. It's great. You've offered so many great, great insights in, in this, just this last 30 minutes. Um, I have so many more. We could talk for, for hours. If you wanted, if there, if there's any little thing that you would like somebody to take away from um, this transition that we need to make, what would that be? Or is there, is there any parting words? I think, yeah, I think, I think, you know, we're, we're at the moment, we, we make up a tiny, tiny fraction of all of the construction that's happening. And that applies to us in, in uh, the UK, as well as you guys uh, in America, it's even more true. Um, because you, as you said earlier, you're, you're a little bit behind us in terms of taking this technology forward. But I think, um, it's never too soon to start. There are, um, uh, both here and, um, increasingly in the US, there are, um, people around who are starting to use hempcrete, starting to set up companies that specialize in it. So there's that, um, that kind of expertise is there to tap into. Uh, and I would just really encourage anybody, whether they are, um, you know, someone who's just personally interested and, or wants to build their own home or their own, uh, you know, workshop or, uh, or whether they're a construction industry professional is really just to, to find your nearest, 
um, training course, go and get your hands on the material, see how easy it is. Um, and it, and just kind of take the mystery away because it's, um, it's such a nice material to work with. Uh, so such a low tech method of building with such a high performance, uh, that once you start doing it, you'll never go back to building with any other material. That's great. That's great. Alex, thank you so much for your time. It's been really great talking with you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure.